Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, A couple housekeeping items I wanted to mention. Uh, Don't forget, if you enjoy the podcast, would like to to follow it when we've got updates, new episodes, uh, definitely uh, track us down at reallifepharmacology.com. Uh, subscribe there. If you do so, you also get a free uh, 31-page PDF emailed to you with the uh, top 200 drugs and important clinical pearls uh, that go along with those medications. So uh, if you're a student, um, you know, young healthcare professional, definitely a, a no-brainer to go uh, check that resource out. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast today, definitely leave a rating review on iTunes. That's greatly appreciated. And I think we're going to get into it. So the drug I wanted to talk about today is oral semaglutide. So semaglutide, uh, it's a GLP-1 agonist, and there is an injectable formulation. uh, But new to the game within the last 6 to 12 months here, there has been uh, an oral agent, which is uh, the first in class. So this is a a new... um, opportunity for patients to have another alternative in managing uh, treating diabetes. So the brand name of oral semaglutide is Ribelsis. If you remember, the injectable formulation is Ozempic. Uh, Again, GLP-1 agonist. So this, from a mechanism of action standpoint, uh, acts as incretin, essentially in the body. And incretin is an important hormone that plays a role in um, glucose management, basically. So it increases uh, glucose-dependent insulin release. So if you think about eating a meal, and once we eat a meal, we get that insulin release to help bring those blood sugars down, that type of thing. That's going to help oral semaglutide or semaglutides going to help manage that. Uh, So with that glucose-dependent insulin release, those are those postprandial after-meal sugars. I think that's a good thing to remember. So if you've got a patient that's really struggling with those blood sugars right after meals compared to, you know, maybe those fasting levels are really high, uh, semaglutide and the GLP-1 agonists in general can really target uh, those postprandial blood sugars a little bit better than other agents. Okay, so other things uh, mechanistically it can do uh, it can reduce uh, inappropriate glucagon secretion, and it also can kind of uh, slow down that GI tract. So, and this can in our patients what they may experience is a, a sensation of uh, feeling more full, for example. So, one pharmacokinetic property that I I did want to mention in comparing uh, Ozempic, the injectable form, versus uh, the oral semaglutide ribelsis uh, is bioavailability. So, 
dosing is much, much higher for the oral agent than it is for the injectable agent, and that's due to bioavailability. So, for example, sub-Q is approximately 90% bioavailable, and the oral formulation is only 1% or less than, even less than 1% bioavailable. Okay, so that's why the, the doses are so much higher for the oral agent compared to the uh, injectable formulation. Dosing, let's kind of stick on that for a little bit here. Uh, oral semaglutide, so we've got 3 milligrams for 30 days, 7 milligrams for 30 days, and then we can increase to 14 milligrams per day. Uh, if necessary, after that, 7 milligrams for 30 days. Now, very, very important to remember, and I know this is going to come up in clinical practice, the 3 milligram dose is a what's considered a, a starting dose or a titration dose, whatever you want to call it. Um, that 3 milligram dose is not considered to be therapeutic. Okay? So... That's important to remember because uh, you may get discouraged if you're prescribing, if you're monitoring this medication, and that, hey, what's going on? The, the patients, we started this med, patients' blood sugars didn't respond as we thought they were going to. And that's likely because we need to titrate up to the uh, higher, more efficacious doses to actually see that response in blood sugar. So very, very important to remember that so we don't get discouraged as clinicians, providers, nurses, pharmacists, so the patient doesn't get discouraged as well. So let's say they're checking their blood sugars and they say, hey, you know, what? what's going on? I started this new drug. My blood sugars aren't coming down. And that might lead them down the path of, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to quit taking this. It's expensive. You know, it's yada, yada, yada. And it's not doing anything for my blood sugar. So definitely take the time, educate patients about the titration and that they may not see that response uh, right away, particularly with that lower dose. So if a patient does well, uh, A1C is under good control, blood sugar is good control, and they're at 7 milligrams, you might not push it to 14 in that situation and, and you know risk them going too low or having adverse effects or, or that type of thing. So um, definitely some clinical judgment in uh, which dose we're going to be on, 7 milligrams versus 14 milligrams. Uh, adverse effects, I do have another uh, podcast on the GLP-1s kind of as a class. Really, you know, oral semaglutide is not going to differ too much there. With that GI slowing or that gut slowing, the most common adverse effect uh, you're going to see in clinical practice is, is GI. So nausea, uh, potentially if severe enough, you could have some, some vomiting, maybe some diarrhea. But usually nausea is the, the most commonly uh, reported adverse effects. Adverse effect, excuse me. Uh, there is a boxed warning on thyroid, uh, certain types of, of thyroid tumors. Uh, so keep that in mind if you ever see a patient uh, with that kind of past history. There can be some, uh, you know, enzyme, enzymatic changes, lab changes in amylase and, and lipase. Uh, so that could happen with this drug. Rarely there's been some case reports of pancreatitis, things like that. 
Um, hypoglycemia, certainly we, we really need to keep an eye out for this, especially if we've got a patient on, you know, a sulfonylurea uh, and or uh, insulin with this medication. One other thing in dosing and conversion I wanted to, to mention, uh, you may have patients that, hey, they see this new drug, it's the same drug I'm taking, uh, and maybe they're taking injectable semaglutide and they want to switch to oral semaglutide. I could definitely see this um, coming up for some patients. So uh, conversion, so sub-Q dose of 0.5 milligrams, uh, package insert isn't real specific on that. There's seven milligrams. They say convert to seven milligrams or to 14 milligrams. So it's kind of vague as to what exactly to do. So I would look at the clinical situation. If you've got a patient that's, you know, way out of control, their A1C is still eight, nine, ten, and they're on the injectable formulation, 0.5 milligrams. That might be a situation where, hey, maybe we'd lean uh, towards going to that 14 milligram dose rather than the 7 milligram dose. Now, if you've got somebody with an A1C of 6, maybe they've had a history of hypoglycemia in the past, then maybe you'd get a little bit more conservative with that conversion and go to the, the 7 milligram dosing. And typically, I would say what's going to happen with this. Uh, is you're going to start that oral dose within seven days of that last injection. I would say most clinicians are probably going to be comfortable um, just giving it on the day they were supposed to take their next injection or starting it on that day, if that makes sense. So let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we will get into drug interactions. If you're in the market for board certification study material, such as NAPLEX, BCPS, ambulatory care, geriatrics, or MTM certification, definitely go check out meded101.com. We've also got free Audible books. If you've never tried an Audible book, uh, we've got a, a couple of uh, free ones available there. So you can find links to all these resources, um, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Go check that out. Support the sponsor. Uh, help keep this podcast uh, free educational and available uh, to all those who are trying to learn pharmacology and just become better at, at medication management. So with that, let's finish up on drug interactions. First one, first two, I guess, uh, think about blood sugars. So we've got medications that can lower blood sugars and cause hypoglycemia. So your sulfonylureas, your insulins, I mentioned them before, uh, the lower we drop that blood sugar, with an agent like semaglutide, you know, we can certainly run the risk of hypoglycemia. That's pretty obvious, pretty straightforward. Uh, in addition, we can have opposing effects. So drugs like uh, corticosteroids, maybe thiazide diuretics, maybe some of the uh, immunosuppressants like cyclosporin and tacrolimus, those agents uh, can raise blood sugars and potentially oppose the beneficial effects uh, from a drug like semaglutide. Uh, as far as other drug interactions go, I would say the GLP-1 agonists as a whole are a fairly clean uh, medication class without a ton of drug interactions. So that's definitely a good thing. Uh, I did want to mention, you know, semaglutide and the other GLP-1s, they do slow that gut down a little bit. Uh, so that could... 
um, tinker with concentrations of medications and potentially absorption rates and things like that. Uh, I think it's probably most important um, to think about situations where maybe we've got a really narrow therapeutic index window. So situations of, you know, using immunosuppressants, using seizure drugs, uh, maybe a, a warfarin, things that could, you know, that gut slowing down could potentially alter concentrations a little bit. So if you've got signs of subtherapeutic levels or signs of toxicity, might not be a bad idea to check, you know, levels of certain drugs where that's indicated and, and appropriate. So again, probably not a huge deal in most uh, situations, but it is something to, to maybe think about and consider as you're looking at your uh, patients clinically. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for today. If you enjoyed the podcast, find it helpful, definitely leave us a rating review on iTunes. I'm greatly appreciative uh, when, when people do that. So uh, thank you uh, to those of you who have done that. Uh, definitely uh, help us out. Go subscribe uh, at reallifepharmacology.com. We'll also help you out, get you that free 31-page PDF. Nice little study guide on some of the most important clinical pearls uh, with each of those drugs. So go check that out. Uh, in addition, we've also got a special running on our uh, NAPLEX website, rxgrad.com, where you can sign up and get basically a free 100-question practice exam. So go check that out at rxgrad.com. And you can also find that link at uh, meded101.com slash store as well. With that, I'm going to sign off for today. If you want to get in contact with me, LinkedIn is probably the best way to do so. Uh, otherwise, you can reach out uh, through the website reallifepharmacology.com or uh, I blog at meded101.com as well. So hit the contact button. Uh, those emails go directly to me. With that said, uh, take care. Thank you for listening. Thank you to those of you who have left a rating and review. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.